Hey, good morning and welcome everybody. I'm so glad that you made the decision to join us for Church Online today. I do want to just take an opportunity to just say, look, we really believe in Church Online and we believe that there are many of you that really need this and maybe you don't live close to us or maybe you're in your home now or maybe there's some kind of scenario like that that you can't get out or you can't be here or maybe you're out of town or whatever the case may be. I just want to say thank you. And I want you to understand church online is a valid choice. And, I, and, I, and I'm so glad that you're a part of our church family. And I want you to engage. I don't want you to uh, just feel like you're watching church. I want you to engage because you are at church. And so I want to just encourage you. And I want to welcome you if you're new with us today. If you're new with us and you're just joining Church Online for the first time, thank you so much for being a part. And I hope this really ministers to you today, and I'm sure it already has. But I'd like for you to do something, because here at Summit Church, we really believe in connection. We believe in relationship. We believe in family. And we want to connect with you. We want to build a relationship with you. And matter of fact, we, we believe leadership is serving, and we want to serve you. And so we have a gift that we'd like to give you. We have... We'd love to connect with you to let you know what's going on at Summit, but most importantly, just to build a relationship with you. And so if you'll take a minute and get out your phone, and if you'll just text the, the word NEXT1 to 94090, it's one word, you see it on your screen there. It's the word NEXT, the number one, all together. Text that to 94090, and a pastor or a leader will get in contact with you and connect with you and... and, and uh, that's definitely something you want to do. And I'll just encourage you, you'll hear this many times later in the, the worship experience at the end of the message or whatever, but whatever decision you want to make today, whether you're making a decision to follow Christ or where you need more information or whether you want to get baptized or whatever the case may be of that next step in your spiritual journey, you can text that number, that word, and someone will contact you and connect with you and help you serve you along your way. And so... Man, thanks so much for being at church today. And let's get right into the Word. We're continuing our series, Loving Life. And man, this, is, this has already been so good. And our mothers were great in their, uh, all of their teaching last week. And it was just so good to hear that, their perspectives. And, and uh, you know, we, we want to love life. The Bible says that God gave us life to enjoy. And so we want to do that. And so this whole series is about how do we love life. And today... I'm going to teach you on something I'm stirred in my spirit about that I really think is going to minister to you. And the, the title of it may sound a little odd, but just drink it in. Just take it in. It's going to be great. And uh, here's the title of it. We're going to talk to you around the subject today, Mind Your Own Business. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh, but I'm telling you, this is going to be a good word for you today. I believe there are going to be people who are set free, literally, of so much weight and so much stuff in our lives today if we just can get this. It's probably going to be a little different than what you're imagining, but that's what I want to talk to you about today. Mind your own business. So if you're in your home and you're on church online and there are other people there, just look them right in the eye and just say, mind your own business. And then we're going to get started. Let's take our text text uh, is John chapter 21 verse 20 through 22 and I'm going to read it to you out of the NIV and then we'll pray everyone read it with me it's right there on your screen if you don't have your Bible or whatever with you and and we'll just pray to I mean we'll uh, read it together so everyone read Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and it said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So if you really want to put it in our modern day vernacular, Peter said, what about John? Jesus said, that's none of your business. You worry about you. That's basically what this says. Father, we thank you for this scripture today. We thank you for the word. Help us to learn this today, God. Help us to get it down deep in our spirit, deep in our heart. Take it like a seed. You called it a seed. Take it like a seed and deposit it and plant it in the, 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 the soil of our soul, the soil of our heart. 
and cause it just to grow up in us, God, and give us fruit out of our life that not only we can eat from that fruit, but that others that we encounter and, and, and come in contact with can also eat from the great fruit of our life that's coming from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I, I love, I love this scenario. I absolutely love this scenario. It is an amazing scenario. And I'm going to give you some context with it, but I just want to go back and reiterate what happened here. Jesus has already been crucified. Peter's already gone through that period of time where he denied Jesus and then he came back and was converted. Jesus resurrected from the dead. And now Jesus is meeting with them, connecting with different ones of the apostles and different ones of the disciples that followed him. And he's about to ascend into heaven and send the Holy Spirit, but he's having some conversations and he's having a particular conversation with Peter at this moment. And uh, he's talking to Peter and he's saying, you know, they're having this big conversation about what Peter's life is going to be like and what the purpose of Peter's life. And he, he even goes on to tell him what his life would be like and even how he's going to die and uh, how he's going to live for the kingdom of God and how he would be, uh, he would be martyred for that. And in this whole conversation then, um, they're walking and Peter notices that John, the apostle John, uh, who was so close to Jesus and described himself as the one whom Jesus loved, the one who was always in that top three when Jesus would go do something sp sp uh, 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 spectacular or something significant that was at a higher level. There was always three that he took with him. You know, when there's a transfiguration, Peter, James, John. The prayer in Gethsemane, Peter, James, John. And, and John was the one at the Last Supper who was leaning on Jesus, and he was, he was very close. And when Jesus had made the statement, somebody's going to betray you, it was John that leaned on Jesus and said, who's it going to be? And so there was this kind of relationship with John and Jesus that was very close. Now, let me just make it very clear that Jesus is no respecter of persons. So Jesus doesn't love this person and not, better than he loves that person and vice versa. But, but the truth is, we have differing levels of love for God, obviously. And John was a person who loved God so much because he understood God's love for him. And so John and Jesus had this thing. John was so close and so intimate to Jesus, I don't find it to be a coincidence that he was the one that received the revelation on the Isle of Patmos at the end of his life. He never was, they tried to kill him, they tried to martyr him, but it didn't work. They tried to boil him in oil and he, and he just didn't he wouldn't boil <laughs> he just had this connection with Jesus and Jesus told him of things that no one else had seen and no one else knew and and I think it's interesting that we can find ourselves in that place so Peter understands that John has this relationship with God Peter understands his own relationship with God and so as Jesus is talking to Peter about how things are going to go what things are going to happen he notices that John's following from a distance. And, and so he turns after Jesus says, this is what's going to happen with you, Peter. And he turns and says, well, what about John? And Jesus basically just says, look, that's none of your business. You worry about you. You follow me. I'll take care of John. If I want John to live till I come back, then that's my business, not your business. And, and I think that if we'll listen to the advice of Jesus, we're going to learn how to really love life. Because, see, here's the truth. It's, it's hard to love life when you can't mind your own business. It is hard to have a free life and a life that's weightless and a life that's airy and light. And the things that Jesus described when he said, when you come to me, this is what you'll receive. But it's hard for us to do that when we're weighted down by all these cares and concerns about controlling other people's lives and trying to make it exactly what we think it should be. And, and I believe that God would say to a lot of us, am I saying we shouldn't carry other people's burdens? No, absolutely we should. Should we come alongside people to help them? Yes, when we're invited to do so, we should. When we, should we come in and rescue some folks that are having struggles and can't help themselves? Yes. Should we speak out for those who can't speak for themselves? Yes, all these things are biblical. 
But we should not be in other people's business when we're not invited. And we should not be trying to form everybody into our image and try to control everybody's behavior. That's not the way I would do it. And that's not the way it should. When we live like that, it's I don't know one person. I don't know one single person who lives like that that is happy. I know a lot of people who live like that, but I don't know one of them that actually has joy in their heart, loves life, can't wait to get up in the morning, can't wait to go and do what they need to do, just appreciate who God made them to be and who he made everybody else to be, and we're just all going to love life and enjoy. I don't know one person who lives that in somebody else's business life that has a happy life or an enjoyable life. And there's a lot of context. You know, in John chapter 20, 21, verse 15 through 17, um, which is right before our, uh, right, or excuse me, right after this happens with Peter and, and, and John, uh, here's what it says. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? In other words, he was saying, do you love me more than these other people around here? You see these other people said, do you love me more than they love me? And of course, I don't know why Jesus said this to Peter, but I think Peter had a competitive streak and maybe a comparing streak. And he, he absolutely, yes, Jesus, I love you. And, and then he goes on to say, feed my, feed my lambs here, you say, you say, or, or feed my sheep. And, 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 and then uh, Jesus asks again, he says, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Now, I want you to listen to this. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, I just want to share with you that the reason he did this is it's not a coincidence that Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Because what Jesus was trying to do is establish a pattern in Peter's life to let him understand everything's going to be okay and I recognize what you did. Because you remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. Before the rooster crowed, Peter denied Jesus three times. No, I don't know him. No, uh, I'm not one of the Galileans. No, I'm not a disciple. No, and cursing, I don't know that blankety-blank guy. And, and, and just then then has to face Jesus in his denial of him runs out into the night weeping and broken and and now after all of that's over and Peter has seen the resurrected Lord and he's having this conversation now Jesus is just saying do you love me Peter and Peter's saying yes I, I love you and, and, he, and then he said feed my sheep so so here's what he was saying to Peter look if you love me do what I've called you to do do what I purpose I've put in your life. If you really love me, then do what I have put you on the planet to do. That's how your love is expressed to me, that you obey the purpose that I have designed you for. And when you do that and you get the freedom of that, then that's how I know you love me. And he says it three times to the point that Peter gets his feelings hurt. He, 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 he begins to think, does Jesus really think I don't love him? Is he trying to get me to prove it in some way? And three times Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, take care of my lambs. If you love me, pastor my people. That's what he was saying. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that he says that after he had, John, he had been talking to Peter and Peter was so worried about what John was going to do. What about John? And you know, I think sometimes when we're dealing with the will of God, we want, we want to, what about everybody else? What about that person? Or what about that person? Or are they doing what God wants them to do? That's not your job. And that is the quickest way to not loving life, to try to figure out how you figure in to the life of someone else. And the answer is, in terms of the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, you don't. It's not your business. And that's what, that's what Jesus was trying to get across to Peter. So today, that's why I want to talk to you about the idea of enjoying life or living life, loving life. And the way to do that is to mind your own business.
there were three pastors. And uh, you've probably heard this story, but I'll tell it anyway. There were three pastors, and they were uh, going to go fishing together one day. So they all got out on the boat, and they, they, they pushed off from shore, and they were out in the lake, and they were just enjoying themselves and casting their rods and reels and just, you know, trying to catch some fish. And, and they'd been out there for a while, and then they just decided, you know what? We don't have anybody else we can really do this with. These are other pastors. They, they understand me, so we, we could get vulnerable right now so they just decided they were going to share their heart with each other and they started talking about things that they were weak at and they had a problem with and so the first pastor came out and he said man I'm just going to admit it to you guys I need to talk to somebody about this I have a problem with gambling I'll sneak over to other states and I'll go gamble where nobody can see me and it's just it's got a hold of me and it's a problem and and um, I just I need help with it and then the second pastor said, man, I got to come clean with you guys. I'm a, I'm a cheater. He said, I, I cheat on my taxes every year, and it's starting to weigh on me, and I just I need help with this. And then it came to the third guy, the third pastor, and nothing. He said nothing. He wasn't offering anything up, and he was really quiet. And the other two pastors are kind of getting nervous now. What's going on? What, what is this about? And, and, and they were like, why weren't you saying? So finally, one of the pastors said, hey, we, we've, we've bore our heart here. We told you what our weaknesses are. What, what are you struggling with? <laughs> and uh, that third pastor said, man, I struggle with gossip, and I cannot wait to get off this boat. So <laughs> that, is, that is the problem with some of us. We hear things, we experience things, and we can't wait to tell somebody. You know, we live in a culture. I'm going to tell you something. I was driving here today. And I was, uh, before I was driving, so don't get freaked out, but before I got in my car to come up, I was going to post something on Facebook, and right when I did, something came up on a community thing, and I'm not going to say which one, but something came up on a community deal, and there was this young girl, and she had just requested, she would requested that she, somehow she had a flat tire, and it wasn't an easy fix, because it was, it, somehow it busted weird, and it was coming out, the air was coming out the side, or on the rim, or something, and she just didn't know what to do, and evidently, you know, she had never had the training of how to change your tire or whatever and so she gets on this Facebook and she puts out a request hey listen here's where I'm at if there's anybody who knows me that could help me right now I would really appreciate it you know I don't know if she had kids in the car I don't know if she was trying to get to a class I don't know but she said here's where I'm at if you can help me which is kind of a dangerous thing to do by the way so you should just call your friends but it, it was so funny to me that um, instead of there were a few people that got on there and said, hey, listen, well, what do you have? Do you have a jack? Do you have, you know, do you have the tools or do I need to bring those with me? And they were willing to help. It was great. But there were several comments in there that I couldn't believe. I was shocked. And, and here's what they were. There were one comment was, uh, literally, this girl's just trying to find somebody to help her change her tire. And there was a lady on there that was saying, I learned to change my tire when I was like 14 years old. I can't believe you don't know how to change your tire. Well, hello, what, why do you think you need to make that comment to me right now? I'm in the middle of being stuck on the side of the road, and you're telling me I should know how to do this, but I don't know how to do it. And then there were other people that came on and said, well, you should have thought about this, and why didn't you think about that, and why don't you do this? And I, th I thought to myself, my God, what has happened to us that we have this thing in our mind and our heart now uh, in our society and in our culture that a person's just asking for help and then everyone who sees this request thinks I'm going to weigh in on this. I think my opinion matters in this situation. It is so crazy to me and I can promise you anybody who's getting on to someone else's feed and saying to them why don't you already know how to do what you're asking everybody else to do I guarantee you that's not a happy person. That's not a person who's loving life. That's a, that's a person who's trying to control everybody else's life, and they are a miserable person. And you know I'm telling you the truth. You know, there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. In the New International Version, it reads this. Jesus was talking to a lot of religious people, and he said this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. Now, here's, here's what Jesus is saying before you get all twisted. Oh, you mean if I come to follow Jesus, I won't have any more problems? He didn't say anything of the kind. But what he's saying is to these religious people who were so burdened down with all these laws and rituals and traditions that really weren't changing their life and couldn't help their life. He's saying, you can let go of all that and just come to me. And if you'll yoke up with me, I'll help you carry the weight. In other words, your life could be light and it could be airy and it could be full of joy and peace even in the difficult circumstances because I'm on the other side of the yoke. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen yoke work. I don't know if you've ever seen cows yoked up or oxen yoked up but eat that there's there's uh when you put them together in that yoke there's equal distribution and it means you're helping your each other you're pulling together you're in it together you're working together and and, and i think the question to us today if our christianity if our relationship with christ is supposed to be bringing peace and joy and love because his burden is light and his yoke is easy it, it would mean then that we are yoked up with him he said i'll never leave you or forsake you but the question is sometimes i wonder when our life gets heavy and we don't love life so much is it because we've kind of unyoked ourselves from his yoke and yoked ourselves up with other thinking and other thoughts and other ways of being, and other people, and other circumstances, and then all of a sudden our yoke is heavy, and our yoke is burdensome, and our yoke has tied us to something that is difficult, and our life is filled with worry, and anxiety, and stress, and it's not God's fault, but a lot of times we'll say, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me, and I really believe God is saying, because you took off my yoke, I'm not allowing it, you chose it. You unyoked yourself from me and you yoked yourself up with worry. You yoked yourself up with gossip. You, worked, you, you yoked yourself up with people's opinions. You yoked yourself up with other people's thinking or worldly mindsets. And, and God said, if you'll just throw those things off and yoke yourself back up with me, you'll be light again. You'll be burden free again. You'll feel that peace and that confidence that no matter what I face, on the other side of my yoke is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's nothing he can't do, and all things are possible with him. Man, that's the way this is supposed to work. In order to love life, I'm going to just get real with you today. We need to mind our own business. If you really want to love life and have that life that's so filled with joy and peace, mind your own business. And in order to mind your own business, then we can't be in everybody else's business. If I'm minding my business, it means I'm not minding your business. If I'm minding my business, I'm not minding someone else's business. Some of us, our life isn't moving forward because we're not minding our business. We're spending so much time minding other people's business that we're not spending any time minding our own business. Think, think of it this way, if, if you had a shop in a shopping center or, a, or one of these shopping outlets and you owned a retail shop here and then you had a friend that owned a retail shop here and instead of being at work at your shop, you were over in your friend's shop and telling them how they should run their shop. Let me tell you, your shop needs to do this and if you just display it like this and if you would just go and all the while you're losing money over here in your shop because you're not even paying any attention to your shop because you're in their shop. Mine your business stop minding their business you know in order to mind our own business we must know what our business is and what is not our business here's a thought we must be careful not to insert ourselves into other people's drama or their business or their issues uninvited now, I'm not saying that if someone needs your help and they cry out to you, step up. You are a brother and sister in Christ or you are a Christian. Yes, step up. Get in. Get up there. Do your thing. But it's not about inserting yourself. And this world of social media that we live in, this world of internet access that we live in, this world of opinion is God and we worship at its altar and our opinion is the most valid, we think that anytime we hear anything, anytime we see anything, anytime we experience anything, then our role in that context is to add our part. 
to say our thing, to get involved, to put our two cents in. And I want you to notice something about Jesus. We must be careful not to insert ourselves into other people's drama without being invited. Let me, can I tell you what the best opinion is? Uh, and I'm serious about this. The, if you want to know what the best opinion is, if you want to know when your opinion really matters, when it is important for you to step up to the plate and give your thoughts about something, you know, you know, what, you know what the most important is? You know what the best thing for that is? When you're invited to. When you're asked to give your opinion. Your opinion is invalid unless you're asked to give it. Your opinion doesn't matter unless you... I had to learn this a long time ago because in a lot of my life, I um, ask my opinion a lot because I'm a pastor and a leader and, and, and I'm in a lot of circles where people ask my advice or they ask my opinion or they want to know my thoughts. And I've had to really make sure that when I'm giving that, I've been asked to because you could get in such a habit and it could be such a part of your life that you think every time you're in a conversation, someone's asking you to give your opinion. But they're not necessarily. And the only time your opinion is valid or worthwhile is when it's asked for. Come on, somebody. But I think, what if somebody's going down the wrong road? Let God deal with that in their life. Be an encourager to them. Be a prayer for them. But don't stick your big nose in, try to manipulate their, oh, I said it. Don't try to manipulate their life and don't be so nosy. This, this social environment that we live in where we think we have to know everybody's business, we have to know what every star in Hollywood's doing, we have to know what every politician's about, we don't just want to know the surface headline news, we want to know the details of their life, and we're salacious about it. It's never enough. Did you hear about and Did you see And We've just turned into a bunch of gossips, and we're thinking and processing and doing a lot of things. It has nothing to do with us. Has nothing to do with purpose, has nothing to do with destiny, it just has to do with we're filling our minds filled with other people's business that has no bearing on anything. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 through 50, Jesus said this, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethesda. And while he dismissed the crowd, and after leaving them, he went up on a high mountain to say a prayer. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. And he saw the disciples, and listen to this, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Now, listen to the next words. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out. And because they all saw him and were terrified, immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, I want you to notice something here. There's two things you need to learn. Number one, God's not always just coming to your rescue. You have to invite him to your rescue. You, you need to realize that. You d d Jesus sees what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your life. He knew it before it happened in your life. And you need to understand that. But he's not just coming because. It, there's a faith component in this relationship with God. And we have to reach out to him to bring him into our context. That's what was happening here. He saw them, the Bible said, straining at the oars. In other words, he knew they were having a hard time. He knew that they were having a hard time getting the boat to the other side of the lake because the wind was opposing them. And, but he wasn't going to get involved until they freaked out and said, oh my God, who is that? And then he realized, I'm going to engage them because they are misunderstanding the situation. But the Bible is very clear, he was not going to stop. I think it's interesting that just because God, just because Jesus saw something going on didn't mean he was going to get involved in it. And I think there's something we can learn here. Just because something's going on, just because something is stirred up, just because people are mad, just because everybody else is spouting their opinion, doesn't mean that's the open door for us to jump in with both feet. Well, what if you just decided, no, I'm not going to do that? Well, you're saying don't care for people? No, you know I'm not saying that. And you know that's not what this is about. We all know what I'm talking about here. And our life is hard sometimes. And we can't love life and have a light-hearted filled with joy, peaceful life because our mind, 
and our opinions and our thoughts are so obsessed to the point of everybody else's business. We need to get out. You know, in the world, I believe because of the advent of social media and all the different internet things that we have going, which they're good in a lot of ways, but they're also bad in a lot of ways. And I think, honestly, it's created, it's saturated all of our culture with a spirit of gossip. Things we don't even know if they're true or not, we're telling each other. I'm as guilty as anyone. How many, how many conversations have you had this week that started with, have you heard? Did you see? And, and then if you really stop and think about it, you're not even sure if what you read or saw or heard was the full story or even real or had anything to do with you. <laughs> Come on. But we just carry it and we want to, and, and now it's an automatic response. We have got to get back to the way God told us to behave, stop living like the world, stop acting like the world, and live our life loving life because our life isn't filled with other people's business. Scripture, First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. I hope this is, listen, I know some of this is a little hard. It's hard for me to take too, but I'm going to tell you, we need to learn this. I'm telling you, set your life free. Uh, we've got to hurry. I urge you then, first of all, uh, this is what uh, Paul said in Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, I'm going to just stop here for a second. I'm going to talk about this. He said, pray for kings and all those in authority. We may not agree with political people that, you know, I don't know where you land on the political spectrum, but you may not agree with politics. And I know it's very divisive in our culture right now. But you need to understand, when this was written, they were under persecution. <laughs> you need to understand that. The church was under persecution when this was written. And he still said, pray for authorities. Pray for kings. Pray for all the people. And here's what he said, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. In other words, he's saying, stop constantly erupting. Stop constantly berating. Stop constantly going after it with your opinions. And stop for a minute and start praying. Because your opinions will change nothing, but your prayer could change everything. And, and if we'll stop opining and start interceding i'm telling you things will change god said he's told us that he'll turn it around if we'll start seeking his face for real if we'll start stop uh, uh, um, if we'll start being so proud and and caught up in our pride about our opinions and and our we we're right and other people are wrong we may be and other people may be wrong but that's not how you fix it how you fix it is stop yelling and being stirred and being overbearing. I'm talking to myself too. And, and, and start praying to God that he will turn it around. And then it says, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That doesn't sound like the way we live nowadays, does it? Peaceful and calm and godly and holiness and quiet. That doesn't describe us very well, does it? And I want you to notice what the next words are. This is good. This is good. And it pleases God our Savior. And then he says something that's very important. He directly connects our behavior to this phrase. He wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He is correlating our behavior to people coming to the knowledge of the truth. When we live this life of freedom that is not bogged down by everyone else's drama, that is not bogged down by everyone else's opinions, it's not bogged down by us trying to control everything. Come on, we can, we can get there and it will change people's lives. Minding other people's business. Uh-oh, here we go. Are you ready? Minding other people's business is an issue of control. When we are trying to get in other people's business, this is how I think you should be. This is how I think you should do. This is what 
We're making ourselves God. Now listen to me very closely. You're, uh, you're, you're so proud of the way you are and the way you think things should be that you're literally trying to become God in other people's lives. That's really the truth. In other words, I want you to submit to me. I want you to do what I think you should do. Ah, God, yeah, God, great, God, yeah. No, I want it this way. Control. It's even a problem in our families. It's even in a problem in our marriages and a problem with our children. We have to stop trying to program the world with what we think every life, everyone's life should be. You know, it's amazing to me how we have problems in our society and our culture is messed up. But it's so funny to me how Christians will expect people who are not Christian to act like Christians. You can't legislate things that only heart change can accomplish. And, and, and when we, we act so appalled. Like, oh my God, I can't believe that they did that. I can't believe that they... They don't know Jesus. They haven't been changed. They haven't had the opportunities I have. And it's very funny because Paul was dealing with the Corinthian church who were doing the same thing and saying, look at them and look what they did. Look how they are. And they were pointing to all these sinners and saying how bad they are. And here's what he said to them. "Uh, You are forgetting that's exactly how you were until you met Jesus. Guys, we have to stop trying to program the world, control the world, make the world fit into the context we want it to fit in. And we need to start living our lives full on for Christ, living in the joy of God, living in the peace of God, living in the righteousness and holiness of God, and letting our words and our example speak to other people's lives in a way that they'll want to have a relationship with Jesus, but trying to control their lives and manipulate their lives will never bring them to a place where they want Jesus. Because they'll equate Jesus and his relationship and, and God and their possible relationship with him with the way you're acting. And they'll say, well, if that's what Christianity is, that's what turned me off from Christianity for so many years and I wouldn't do it because I looked at it as a list of rules and regulations and a bunch of stodgy people who wanted to manipulate your life and control your life. And that's why I was like, I can't do that. I don't want to be a part of that. And that's what we do when we can't mind our own business. <laughs> Come on. You know you get mad at your neighbor because they didn't do their yard like you did your yard. Come on, you get mad because this person isn't like you thought they were and blah, blah, blah. Why? You need to turn to yourself, look at yourself in the mirror and say, dude, that's none of your business. Anyway, there are three kinds of business. There's your business, there's other people's business, and then there's God's business. You know, God's business is those things you can't control. They're the will of God, the purpose of God. You have nothing to do with that. That's God's business. So you're not going to mess with that. And then there's other people's business. And for some reason, we think we got to get in other people's business. And you know what's funny to me? And this is really the truth. You know what I found to be true? That people who are always in someone else's business, always trying to control all that. Do you know what I found to be true about that more than anything else? They don't like their own life. And that's why they're not spending any time in their own life. That's not why they're not minding their own business. They're in somebody else's business. And they see in other people what they don't like in themselves. So instead of dealing with it in themselves, they go to someone else and deal with it in them. It's an issue of control. You need to mind your business, let other people mind their business, and let God mind all of our business. You're not God. I'm not God. It's not, you know, the last thing I want to do as your pastor is control you. I want to lead you by inspiration, by modeling, by vision, by pastoring. That's my goal. And I know a lot of pastors that struggle with trying to control their congregation. I can't control you. I'd love for every single one of you to be at church online every single weekend. I'd love for every single person to be in church every single weekend. But you have to make that choice. I'd love for everybody to be studying the Bible every day and seeking the face of God every day. I would love for everyone to be kind and loving to their families and kind and loving to their neighbor but I can't make that choice for you and I can't do that to you or for you or persuade you in a way that would control you to do that that's between you and God all I can do is lead you I don't want to control your life I'm doing good to take care of mine I will lead you I will pass you but I'm not going to try to control you and I don't want you to try to control each other either or other people here's a thought 
when their business, well, you, you, you might ask this question, well, what about when their business affects my business? Well, here's how you keep from getting in their business and stay in your business when their business affects your business, your response. How you're going to behave, how you're going to respond to people who've encroached on your business. You're going to love them. You're going to be kind. You're going to be wise. You're going to walk according to the word of God. And when you do that, you know, the Bible, I mean, uh, uh, not the Bible, but Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, life is 90% what happens, uh, excuse me, 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. You know, when you really want your life to be full of joy, don't get caught up in other people's drama that has encroached in on your business. You just respond the right way and they'll get out of your business and you'll stay in your business and stay out of their business. Here's a thought. Don't be the go-between in other people's business. When you've got a friend here that's in the business of a friend here and then they get you in the middle and you're going between, that's the fastest way to hate your life. Don't do it. Here's another thing. Don't assume when we get into other people's business, we're making assumptions. Have you ever been frustrated with somebody and you had an argument with them, except they weren't involved in the argument, it was all in your head and you were playing both roles? That happens all the time. You know why? Because you're making assumptions. You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know how they feel about what you think they feel about what you think they feel. They can speak for themselves. Why are you speaking for them in your own head? That's the fastest way to hate your life. That's the fastest way to be disenchanted and discontented in your life is to just totally be in someone else's business by assuming what you think. You know what I found out about assumptions? And I'm not going to say the old colloquialism that makes a certain, certain thing out of you and a donkey. Let's just say a donkey. But the truth is, assumption is a killer it's a killer of relationships, it's a killer of friendships, it's a killer of life and joy and peace. Do you know Paul almost got, he was persecuted, listen to this, he was persecuted and thrown in jail over an assumption. In verse 29 of Acts 21, it says, they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. So these men who were Jews thought that Paul brought this Greek into the temple, which was not allowed, it was unclean, and they were ready to throw him in jail because they assumed he did something he didn't even do. And, and, and let me just tell you something, when you assume, when you get into assumptions, here's what happens. When you get into assumptions, here's what happens. You're acting like the mob. In other words, you're getting involved in what the mob wants to do and what the mob says and what the mob is about and all these people who are worked up and you're just assuming that what they're doing is right or correct. It's time for us to stop and think and not just think with a worldly mind or a worldly perspective, but allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives through his word and get the mind of Christ on every situation. We can't assume on other people's lives. It destroys lives, not only ours, but theirs. And I close with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 22, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all uh, of its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even... So the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not really belonging to the body, it, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the, listen, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the rest of the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And here's the bottom line. Why did you read that? What does that have to do about minding your own business? This is where we trip up. God told us that the body of Christ and, and, and life in general is like a body. But a body is one body, but it has many parts. It has hands, it has feet, it has eyes, it has ears, it has mouth. 
And we get all twisted and get in other people's business and want to run other people's lives because we don't understand this principle. We don't get the freedom of knowing who God has made us to be and enjoying that and knowing who God has made them to be and enjoying them. So I want to give you four ways as I close to mind your own business based on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Number one, find your lane and stay in it. God has given you purpose. This is another reason why we do Summit Church Growth Track. We do Summit Next Growth Track because this helps you to find your lane. It helps you to find how God created you, your personality, your gifts, whatever. And then we can take that and say, here's where you can serve to make a difference because that's your lane. Every one of us has a lane. Every one of us, God has given us a purpose. He created us with a purpose. God has designed us to do and be certain things in certain ways. The whole purpose of our life, where true freedom comes from, is when we get in our lane and stay in it and enjoy it and love it. That's the second thing, enjoy your lane. Take pleasure in who God made you to be. You know, the reason we get in other people's business is because we're not satisfied, nor do we love who God made us to be. God didn't make me to be a pastor in New York City. God made me to be a pastor in Canyon, Texas. God, now, could I go to other places and pastor? Yeah, I could. But God, for some reason, sees that I belong here and my family belongs here. And so I can, I, can be, I can sit here and say, well, I wish I was in California, or I wish I was in uh, this place, or I wish I was doing this, or I wish I was doing that. But instead, I've learned, hey, I love what God has made me to be. He's made me to be a leader. And I'm not a pastor like other people are pastors. Some other pastors do pastoring in a different way. Some other leaders do leadership in a different way. Some other evangelists do evangelism in a different way. And I'm just fine with it and I'm happy about it because I know who God made me to be and I'm enjoying it and I'm being me. I'm in my lane and I'm running in my lane. So, so, so the third thing is then stop trying to make everybody run in your lane. See, when we get in other people's business, it's because sometimes it's because we like who we are and we like our lane and we're so passionate about our lane, we think everybody should be in our lane. That's why it's so funny when you get have a vision and a, you start, God gives you a burden. You're like, oh man, I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. And then you think everybody should feel the same way about that that you do because you're so passionate about it. And you talk to people about it and they're like, yeah, okay. And, and they're not really passionate. And it makes you so frustrated because you're like, you don't get it. And the truth is they do get it. It's not, that's not their lane. Stay in your lane, enjoy your lane, and then understand, stop trying to make other people. Can you imagine you're running in a race? And you run so well. And you just think, oh man, I'm just doing well. And you look over in the other lane. And another person's running their lane. And they're running different. Maybe they're running a little different pace than you are. Maybe they, you started out in the race and you took the front. But they, they've paced themselves where they're going to they're gonna run a different pace. But at the last minute, they're going to take off and try to win the race that way. But you don't like that strategy. So you get out of your lane and you go over to their lane. And you're in their lane like, no, you need to run the way I'm running. Because I know I'm going to win this thing. So you run like I'm running. And now you're not even in your lane you're in their lane you're messing up their race and you're messing up your race because you won't mind your own business come on that's you're not going to love life that way you're not going to get the results you want out of life that way the fourth and last thing is enjoy other people running in their lane you know maybe because God's given me the gift of seeing potential in people and I feel like my whole life is about discovering potential in people, helping them to develop it, and helping them to deploy it. Maybe that's the way I am the way I am. But I want to tell you something. There's nothing I love more than to see someone else running well in their lane. You know, our role for other people should be to cheer them on, not, not control them. To, to go, have, go for it. Come on, you can do it. Man, I love the gift in your life. I love what God's doing in your life. Not, well, you know, you really should be more like us. It makes me so mad. I've done it before myself, but it makes me so mad when we do this with other churches. They're running well in their lane, but, but we don't give them the kind of, we don't like them, or we, or we say, well, they're not really whatever, because they're not just like us. There is so much freedom in learning who God made you to be and just loving it. And there's also so much freedom in learning who God made others to be and letting them run that and enjoying watching them run. 
I have friends, even in this town, that are pastors that are so different than me. And they do church so different in every way. But you know what? I just sit back and when we have conversations, I'm just like, yes, man, that is so awesome. What a great thing. I love to see what God is doing in your life. You know why? Because my role in their life, where I need to be in their business is just, you can do it. Come on. And then if they say, hey, could you come over into my lane and help me? Then I might say, sure, I can. But uninvited, I'm not ever going. I want to stay in my business doing what God called me to do, allowing others to stay in their business doing what God called them to do. So these four things, just remember, this is how you stay out of someone else's business and live a life that you can love. Find your lane and stay in it. Enjoy the lane that you've been given. Stop trying to make everyone else run in your lane. And four, enjoy the people running in their lane. This will keep you out of the comparison game. This will keep you out of the competition game. And it will keep you in the focus game of just fulfilling the the will of God in your life. And I'm going to tell you something. You will love it. You'll be so free and your life will be so light. And you don't have to know everybody's business. And you don't have to be up in every problem and every issue. You just live the life God called you to live and that my friend is what changes people that's what changes the world that's what makes a difference Father we just thank you we praise you we give you glory and we just ask you to bless every single person who's heard this word today let it take deep root in their life and help us to mind our own business and help us to do that by minding your business And what I mean by that is when they found Jesus in the temple teaching at the the age of 12, he said, should I not be about my father's business? Well, Lord, if we're in all and everybody else's business, when the time comes where you call us to do your business, we're not even going to have the energy, the ability, the wisdom, the insight to be able to do it because we're so bogged down with everything else. So, Father, help us to stay in our lane. Help us to love the lane you've given us and help us to rejoice in the lane that you've given others. In Jesus' name. There we had bowed and every eye closed. Well, I guess your church online, it's a given. But if you have not made a decision to follow Christ, I want you to do that today. And here's how you do it. You dial that number, 94090. And and somebody will talk to you and they'll pray with you and they'll walk you through having a relationship with Jesus. The first step to loving life is yoking up with Him. So I want to encourage you to do that today. Dial that number, text that number, text that word next one to 94090. Talk to a leader or pastor and make a decision to follow Christ today. And I'm telling you, when you yoke up with Him, that's the beginning of knowing how to love life. Father, I pray that every single person who needs to know you today in church online, every single person who may need to rededicate their life or they may need to come to know you for the first time or maybe they're just struggling and they need some help, God, I just pray right now that every single one of them will text that number and they will get connected with someone who can help them move down the road spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen.